0: This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner here, Matt Gallivan for you in a moment. Uh, We tried to record an episode a couple of weeks ago, but it got lost in cyberspace. And uh, it's better that we return in triumphant uh, triumphant fashion after... uh, not one win, but two wins in a row. Uh, the the one we recorded was after the Baltimore loss, and it was getting a little murky there. But uh, two wins now in a row. Of course, the Chargers won. And then yesterday, as we record this on a Monday, a huge win over the Green Bay Packers in the border battle in uh, one of the more dramatic fourth quarters in recent border battles, Matt. Uh, that was... Unbelievable, uh, the Vikings had the two score lead again <laughs> early, um, again, some first half troubles to end the half, um, but this time, they're able to withstand Green Bay's uh, furious rally and the offense won the game, not once, but twice essentially, having to go down the field. And uh, they, they had a little luck go their way with the, the dropped interception as Darnell Savage went to the, ball, uh, went to the ground. Um, you know, they, they got just enough luck and made just enough plays to win the game. And uh it's always beautiful when you can beat the Green Bay Packers, especially in a game the Vikings really needed to have.
1: If you are a uh, cardiologist outside of the state of Minnesota, I suggest you move here. Uh <laughs> because uh as long as it's Viking season, you will be uh set for life uh with <laughs> patients because man, they uh can't protect those leads and always have to make it interesting. But man, was it a satisfying, hopefully season defining victory for them. It always matters when it's your biggest rival. It always matters when it's a division game. It always matters when it's a conference game. And that has become even more important given the plethora of teams that are at 500 now. And as you get into tie-breaking scenarios Towards the end of the season, with that extra playoff spot, you know, having a win like this matters so much. But uh, you were there. You heard how rocking the place was. But I mean, that was a that was a certainly a you know top three you know game finish in the history of that stadium. It just uh, back and forth, and you know, Kirk just repeatedly leading the team. JJ cementing his status as certainly a top five receiver in the NFL in his second year, arguably maybe top three, Uh, you know, the defense not getting the job done and and Rodgers doing his thing and scoring uh, uh, in one play uh, after we uh, take the lead. But uh, we found a way to win that close game, and this one really mattered.
0: It did, and as I, as I said to you before uh, we came on the air here and, uh, and started recording, um, there's no better sound than the deafening silence of Green Bay Packers fans as they walked out of U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, they were quiet there for a little bit when it was a, a two-score lead. Then they got very loud at different points in the fourth quarter uh, with the most annoying chant in sports, the go, pack, go. And uh, they were they were really getting loud after they took the 24-23 lead. And you thought that extra point missed early by Greg Joseph may come back to bite the Vikings. Um, my dad, who I was with, uh, mentioned that right away when it happened in the, in the first quarter that uh, ooh, we might need that point. Sure enough, we ended up getting the two, and and, and good thing we got the two as well. But um, but then you know then they were really depressed after JJ scored just in front of the two minute warning, and then. know the place is going wild first down boom valdez scantling who's incredibly fast and uh, there was a great time clearly in coverage there um but uh yeah you talk about how about the battle of receivers though jj and Devontae adams you have to tip your cap to him i mean he has just killed the vikings he's the best receiver in football right now and jj's nipping at his heels i mean in in year two which is unbelievable because we're Devonte Adams was in year two. It was not that good. I mean, they were they were kind of calling him a bust. He was a second rounder. But uh, I was looking at his stats uh, the other day. He didn't really take off to like year three, four, five. Um, but man, whoo, and see talented or what. Uh, it, it, it was just an offensive show in the second half. But let, let's dive a little bit deeper into this one. The first half, the Vikings defense had Rodgers confused. Um, There were some bounce passes that he had to throw when he was under pressure, didn't look like he felt as comfortable extending the play, maybe because of the the toe injury that he has, we don't really know how serious that was, but he didn't practice, um, or he was limited in practice, at least for most of the week, Um, and didn't practice at least one day during the week, so, and then of course he had the COVID absence as well. So he hasn't had a ton of practice time, and he looked flustered in the first half. The Vikings were using a three-safety look. Uh, They wanted to keep Cam Bynum out on the field, understandably so, after two outstanding games filling in for Harrison Smith. And Harrison was coming up to the line acting like he might blitz, but wasn't. That was confusing Aaron Rodgers. Um, But then we saw at the end of the first half, you know, it, it felt like, here the Vikings, like with Rodgers on the other side, you almost have to score like every time. That's kind of how you feel with Rodgers on the other side. But they, they had the 16 to 3 lead, and one of the only low moments for the Vikings offense all day, they tried that toss play with CJ Ham on third and one. And really, aside from that, for the most part, Clint Kubiak called it a fantastic game. I mean, this was a Green Bay defense that was stifling opponents and stifled Patrick Mahomes. A couple weeks uh, prior to that game and almost won with jordan love because their defense almost won that game for them in kansas city so it's no small task that the vikings had going up against that defense but
1: it was really i mean first half the second half it was like two different games yeah it it, it really was um and you always know that Rodgers is going to adjust you know he he's too good of a player not to figure out how to extended plays in the second half a lot yes you know there were too many of those plays where he we just the the defensive line couldn't get enough pressure on him and and we can come back to that in a little bit but um you know you talked about Kubiak I want to say that we have rightfully criticized him heavily criticized him and the entire Vikings fandom has uh for most of this season but with the exception of that, I actually don't mind. You know, CJ Ham is is really good, and and calling some variety is good. But no, but go really straight like, ahead with him. He's a bowling ball. You're a, gonna go give go it to him. Ahead. A A go straight ahead, and B, I, I I'm only calling that play for him on third and one if I'm ready to go for it on fourth down because otherwise, in a must get down, and you're not that you're not prepared to go for it on fourth down. I want the ball in one of my top playmakers' hands. And C.J. Ham is a pro, you know, perennial pro, pro, bowl, pro bowler or in that conversation, but he's the fifth or sixth best player on your team. And, you know, so you, you should not be going to him on a must-get-down. But otherwise, I mean, when they lined up Jefferson in the backfield, I mean, you know, they, on that touchdown, I mean, that was – it was great variety, and I loved the aggression. And, and to me, what, you know, they finally did what a lot of fans were calling for. And and that is you know this is such an important stat in my mind. The Vikings are four and one when they target Justin Jefferson, and the only game they lost was Arizona, which we know that that's. And the they target Justin that. Jefferson a certain number of times. Oh, sorry, they're four and one when they target Justin Jefferson ten or more times. There we go. The okay. And the only sorry, drop the punch the punchline yeah. there, but but and the only one they lost was Arizona. Um, which we know that that was the clearest cut game that they should have won. Um, so that tells me when you target that playmaker, your best playmaker, he is now officially the best playmaker on the Vikings team with all due respect to the great Dalvin Cook. He is the best playmaker on that offense. And it opens up so much more for Dalvin and Thielen. And they clearly did that in, 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 you know throughout the game, but in particular the first half. And that's why we saw such success.
0: Well, and I think a reason he... Not to take anything away from JJ either, but it helps the threat of Dalvin Cook makes JJ that much better as well. And and you've seen games, there was a game, now JJ wasn't on the team yet, but but Thielen and Diggs were. And in 2019, I was at that game where Dalvin didn't play against Green Bay. We didn't really need to win the game. We clinched the playoff spot. And I mean, there was no merit to the play action whatsoever. Yeah. With Alexander Madison in, in the game. And Madison's fine, but not when he's the lead guy. And um, I, I think yesterday, Green, Bay, Green Bay's rush defense was not ranked very highly coming into yesterday. Their pass defense had been stellar. And you, any time you play the Vikings, I don't care how well Jefferson or Thielen and Cousins are playing, they know they have to stop Dalvin Cook first and foremost. Because you don't. And it's going to be a long day. Your defense is going to be on the field a long, long time. And then if Dalvin's going, then the play action has a lot of merit. And then we start shredding you with how balanced we can be, as you've seen the past couple of years, you know, fourth in offense last year uh, with Gary Kubiak at the helm. The Saints saw it in the playoffs uh, in that game in New Orleans in, in 2019 um, when Dalvin just crushed them in the first half. And, and then we, we got him on the play action. But uh, that that's the one thing. So I love the aggression. I agree with you. Um, I think they had to be more aggressive, almost forcing the ball to Justin Jefferson because it's, it, especially in single coverage. And we saw that even more against the Chargers. They were willing to single him up and that alley-oop pass that Kirk was throwing to him, it was on the money most of the time, and JJ went up and got it, And this time, I mean, we saw some different ways of getting it to him. Like you said, out of the backfield, there was one play where he was a decoy where he ran like a circle around the entire backfield and didn't yep. even get the ball, but their eyes had to go to him because he already had like 150 yards at that point. Um, you know, the, the, the creativity is good. I just don't want to totally, you know, what worried me is, and we did get lucky that, you uh, that uh, what's his name, Darnell Savage, didn't come down with that interception. That was one of Kirk's rare bad decisions in the game. So I don't want to tell him so, you know, force it to JJ to the point where you're making that type of throw into double coverage. And, but, but I think that was also, that play in particular was a weird play call because when Rogers just went down and tied the game, on the one play to Valdez-Scantling, you have the ball with just over two minutes to go. You have to take the rest of the time. And that's like, you have to take the rest of the time. And it felt like there, the first play, they're going for a big strike to JJ. It wasn't necessary. That's a type of scenario where it's like, don't go away from the run because all you need to do is get into field goal range. And they didn't just get into field goal range. They got into almost giving field goal range for the 29-yarder to win. It wasn't like the Arizona scenario where there was maybe a debate. Do you go, do you, do you, um, do, do you go for a little more yardage or the dagger? This time, I, I don't think anybody was going to blame Zimmer for taking a knee and making sure Rodgers didn't get the ball. Zimmer had a great quote after the game saying, like, I felt like the best uh, chance for us to win was with Rodgers on the bench. And that's 100%. True. And that's why Dalvin went down. So I I just, the first play call there, the force to JJ, that was on Kirk, but also didn't love the play call. But, you know, aside from that, the aggression was great. And and Thielen had some great plays as well. How about that one where it looked like the corner was about to jump it. On that final drive, it looked like the corner was going to jump it. Kirk threw it with a man in his face, and he had a lot of pressure on him for most of the day threw it with a man in his face. Nealon, it's like, look what I found. Turns around, no one's there. Looked like he was maybe about to score. Um, Green Bay got him down. But uh, man, just a wild final few drives. And like I said, the offense, give them credit. Because when you go down there, you score with JJ just over two minutes to go. The defense is permitted to win the game at that point. (laughs) Now, Rodgers is Rodgers. He'll do what he does. But it's one thing for Rodgers to go down there and maybe tie it, force overtime, or give you like 30 seconds left. But the offense had just gotten off the field, had to come down from that high because then Rodgers scores and suddenly we have a tie game again. And I mean, it's just, and good thing they got the two because the mentality changes too. They got the two to go up seven. Had they knocked out that two, they're down a couple points there. Sure, the field goal still wins it, but it's not the same mentality when you're tied going for it, you are a little more comfortable when it's tied than down a couple knowing you have to get the field goal uh, to win and there's no overtime to, to speak of so credit the offense there for immediately getting back on the field and uh after they got the gift the, the ball popped out of savage's hands they took full
1: advantage of that
0: break that, that went their way
1: yeah i'll say this i mean some, some people are already pointing out, oh, you know, we got lucky, you know, Kirk could have thrown a couple of interceptions. But here's the thing is, Kirk's not going to maintain the pace he's on the rest of the season. And guess what? I don't want him to. And the reason is, is because this team is better when he is a, more of a gunslinger trying to get it into his guys, his playmakers' hands. And a lot of those are on deep balls. And so sometimes they're going to act more like a punt and they're going to get picked off. Sometimes there are going to be mistakes, but the, the fault of this team is when they're too conservative on offense and this defense isn't good enough to win those low scoring shootouts or not shoot low scoring games by getting stops. Like they used to, that's not how this team plays and, and, and they need to be willing to make a mistake every once in a while while being aggressive because that's you're gonna you're gonna get so many more opportunities net and score more points from a touchdown perspective rather than settling for field goals or having to punt with that aggression. So I'm fine, you know. And, and yes, we got lucky. And yes, there are inopportune. Yeah, moments, but they but got
0: lucky To, to, yeah, to your no point, doubt. they got. How about Breland dropped an interception in the first yeah. half and made a great play. By the way, looking at that play from being at the game, I had a great angle. Devontae Adams was open and Breland. I mean, he played with Rogers. He knows him pretty well. He just made a great play on the ball, dropped the interception. So, you know, that goes both ways throughout the game.
1: Yes. You're going to, balls are going to bounce your way, you know, on the Kirk sack fumble, it bounces in the alignments right there. I mean, like that stuff is just, you're going to get, and the the Rogers fumble uh, bounced into his hands. Exactly. That stuff is just, is going to happen. Sometimes it's sort of like the officiating there. There are clear, bad calls, but you know, net they're you know, they're, you can't fall too much back on that. And so that's why I'd rather just be aggressive because um, net it's going to benefit you more than it doesn't. But, you know, I, you just, I dare, I say with the way he's playing right now, Kirk is arguably one of the top three clutches quarterbacks this year. Maybe he's, he might even be one or two. He's been, I mean, he's can, been money he's, he's been money and, and you just have to tip his hat. But the other things I would point out that are encouraging is Dalvin, which this indicates the growth of this team this year. Not only is Kirk performing in the clutch, not only were we more aggressive Dalvin goes down when he probably could have scored and plays for the field goal, you know, to win instead. And no, he's, he doesn't want to, you know, he wants to eat up the, the clock. Zimmer doesn't say, you know, knows we're playing for the field goal. You know, we're in a reasonable range. We, we push it enough to, so we're not having an Arizona situation, but I'm not giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers as much as I trust and love my vaunted defense. No, I'm not. That might be my instinct, but no, I'm not doing that. You know, so you didn't get a Bengals game with with Dalvin trying to do too much when you're getting into winning field goal position and Zimmer led his offense, which is his better tool here, win the game. You know that shows a lot of growth. Now, there are other areas that I know we're going to get into here in a second that need to still grow um, if they're going to have success the rest of the year, but this felt like a turning point in so many ways that we have to be encouraged about um, potentially the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I think the season saving win was the Chargers. Uh, You can't go to three and six. Uh, Three and six versus four and five, a lot different mentally and just realistically in the playoff race. Um, so that was like the season saving one, but to generate the momentum is to win this one. And sure, their, their chances in the division are still very slim, but if they had lost yesterday, they would have been zero. Um, you could still possibly catch lightning in a bottle. You're going to have to beat them at their place, uh, most likely to win the division in the second to last game of the season, January 2nd and <laughs> Sunday night football, which will be very cold and very difficult. But uh, they've shown they can compete with the best. Green Bay, Dallas, yes, without Dak, but still. Um, Arizona, they've played all these teams. Uh, Baltimore is a good team. The Chargers are a good team. I mean, look what what the Chargers put up on a solid Pittsburgh D that was missing some pieces um, on Sunday Night Football, but still. Uh, And and Zimmer had a great game plan against Justin Herbert. Phenomenal uh, job confusing him with some great blitzes. Um, the The last point I'll make about the aggression. I, I, you, you are naturally for a little bit more aggression than I am. I, I, I do agree with the aggression in general. All, all I'll say is you don't want to get to the point because Kirk has had Kirk has improved a lot since he joined the Vikings. But Kirk, even when he first joined the Vikings, had some times when the decision making, not there. You don't want to get, you don't want to have in his mind, like, got to get it to JJ, got to get it to JJ to the point where you're making dumb decisions and, and and mistakes of aggression, fine. Like if you go on first down and throw a bomb and it gets intercepted and acts like a punt, fine. But if that had been an interception late in the game, that wasn't a well-disguised double coverage or anything. That was double coverage Sure, it was underthrown. It wasn't a great throw. He had a little pressure, but that was just a bad decision. And yeah. you don't want to get into the situation. And, and here's what I'll say, too. The defense without Deniel, right, is not going to get as much pressure on the quarterback. It's going to take much more creativity. Uh, as we saw, you know, against the Chargers, you can blitz Justin Herbert. You can't really do it as much with Rogers. You know, he's going to burn you if you blitz him all day but they were bringing blitzes from creative angles. Look what they had to do yesterday, putting Sheldon Richardson at defensive end, and he had a great game. He generated some pressures from the defensive end spot, not what he's used to. DJ Wana had a solid game, but have you noticed, Everson Griffin, not that he's playing poorly, but when Daniil was on the field, they had to pay attention to Daniil, first and foremost, he was uh, object A, for that offensive line and the tight ends and the running backs to do anything to try to slow down Daniel Hunter leaving Everson Griffin one-on-one a lot of times to roam free. He hasn't been as disruptive and he's playing a lot more plays out of necessity. I'm not blaming Everson. It's just with Daniel it's a massive loss. I mean, we saw this team without Daniel last year. Now they have a little bit more depth on the D-line this year, which is good sheldon's back james lynch is giving you some nice uh, time Harmon watts has shown some flash but though you know kenny willekes against the chargers was great but you, you know what i'm saying they're, they're not going to give you the consistent sustained pressure that a daniel hunter is they don't play the run as well as daniel hunter either um you know in, in locking down the edge so I just don't know if you want to get into now they can beat a team in a shootout. They just showed it yesterday, but do you want, I think there is some value to limiting possessions for this defense because it, I, I'm not saying limit possessions to the point where you try to win a game, you know, nine, three or something like they did. And you know, when Teddy first started uh, at quarterback and they had to rely on the defense, but also, I don't think you get to the point where you're just hoisting it up uh, irresponsibly and, and, and turning it over because still the take give matters. The take give battle matters. You look at that take give, and normally the team that wins that wins the game. That hasn't been the case at times for the Vikings this year, but you know what I mean. So I think there oh, is. yeah, no. In there, and you don't want to forget how good Dalvin Cook is. Um, in the passing, and you can throw to him as well, or in
1: the running game, and you can throw to him. No, and and that's the thing. It's it's a mentality, but you're right. You you can't do the Randy ratio for Justin Jefferson. You know, it's not mechanically I want to do the one out of every four gets to him, but it's a mentality of, I know I got to get him the ball, and and I got to make sure I get my playmakers the ball. You know, but you did start to get into the, you know, and we can end with this. Um, The if this team is going to continue to sustain success, the you know the defensive line without Deniel, it's tough. It needs to get more pressure. And the offensive line, while the Kubiak and Zimmer again, I'll give them props. They've gotten Kirk to get rid of the ball a lot faster this year, which I think has helped. But that offensive line still has to protect him a lot better um, on pass plays. He you had, know, as you mentioned earlier, had a lot of people in his face and made some unbelievable plays. And his receivers also helped him out on that those lines have to do better and on the defensive side with the defensive line getting pressure this defense has to be more opportunistic because it, it does seem even though we've won the takeover battle mostly I feel like because our offense hasn't turned the ball over but we've not gotten that found a way to really develop I feel like that killer mentality yet on defense to like to generate those turnovers and so those are the three things we've gotten look, some uh, we got some against got baltimore and the chargers um, we've had a, we've had a few key games that where we've done it but it, yeah. it, it hasn't been consistent but those are the three things that i would say have to happen with san francisco and have to happen consistently going forward um otherwise we are going to get into situations like you said where it's a shootout and we're asking kirk to just be perfect um yeah. And not turn the ball over while keeping that aggression. And I don't know that that's sustainable with the way our defensive line played in this game and how the offensive line played in this game.
0: You, you get a quarterback, a little less experienced than Aaron Rodgers and hopefully he throws you the ball as Herbert did as Lamar Jackson did. Um, and as uh, Cooper rush a name that Vikings fans will never want to hear again. Uh, but Cooper rush did give them the ball a couple of times uh, an interception and a fumble. So, um, the, the defense has generated some turnovers, but, but again, they're going to need to find ways to, to create more because they're not going to get the sustained pressure on the quarterback that you can get with, uh, with Daniel. They'll get more than they got last year, which was pretty much none. But uh, but they still need to, and that's why I love having Zimmer, because he's going to find a way. I mean, some of those blitzes against the Chargers, Cam Bynum just kind of being untouched. Eric Hendricks, uh, one of these last, it was either the Chargers or Baltimore. I think it was the Chargers game where he came untouched and sacked Fields, or and sacked uh, Herbert. I'm thinking Fields. Um, sacked Justin Herbert.
1: Um so you're just you know, so excited Zimmer, to Zimmer's, play Justin Fields and and oh uh, Zimmer's looking at That's where, that's where your mind is. Zimmer is yeah. Well, Zimmer likes
0: facing young quarterbacks. He is licking his chops. I think to face uh, Justin Fields early. Actually, he probably hasn't started thinking of him yet. But I think once he turns on the tape and sees, I mean, Fields has shown some flashes, but he also is not ready to start. You know, say what you want about Matt Nagy. I think he was re- he was rightfully cautious to just throw fields to the Wolves early, especially with that Bears offensive line. Um, Last point about the Packers game, then we'll look forward a little bit. Um, I will say this, Mason Cole, the last couple of weeks in place of Garrett Bradbury. Now Garrett was activated, but Mason Cole started over him. um, And we don't know how much COVID affected Bradbury. He's done some good things in the run game, but he's really struggled mindily in pass protection. First play of the game for the Vikings offensively yesterday Mason Cole got bull rushed by Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark is one of the best nose tackles in the league. He's ruined games against the Vikings before. He pushed Cole right down to his back. And I'm like, oh God, because that was one of the worries I had going up against that Packers defense. In addition to how hot they'd been, specifically Kenny Clark in the middle. They made an adjustment the last few quarters of the game where, uh, and I heard uh, Paul Allen say this, uh, on his radio show today the work that uh, Mason Cole and and uh, Ezra Cleveland and Oliudo did on Kenny Clark um, for the final three quarters you didn't hear from much from them and they opened that lane to the end zone on the Dalvin touchdown he went in untouched up the middle haven't seen that a lot lately with Vikings running up the middle when they've needed a yard or two uh, they've struggled with it at times, especially against big physical defensive lines. And they did a great job on Kenny Clark. They made an adjustment from early in the game because Cole couldn't handle him one on one. But they did some great things, double teaming Kenny Clark, and pretty much took him out of the game, uh, which was which was very impressive. So
1: um, it, it was yeah, just all around great performance. Uh, by, no, by I agree. So what what's your prediction for San Francisco? You know, I love to do well, the predictions. Let's talk.
0: Yeah, let's talk. I mean,
1: I'd like to, I, I need to dig in more. Honestly,
0: you know, we're recording this on a Monday. I honestly, <laughs> I'm giving myself the 24-hour rule. I, I get to enjoy the Packers game before thinking of that game. But, you know, honestly, a couple of weeks ago, San Francisco did not look too good. And then they beat the Rams, who they own. I guess they've beaten the Rams like five times in a row now, which is crazy with how good the Rams have been. San Francisco owns them. And then it's hard to know. Because since they do own the Rams and it was in San Francisco, they beat them. Was that unexpected? Still, yeah, despite their owning of the Rams lately. Then they go to Jacksonville and just play a a terrible team and dominate them. So is San Francisco, you know, as hot as they, you know, maybe appear to be because of these two games or not? Um, Vikings going out west for the second time in three weeks. You know, they had the game against the Chargers then back here, battle against Green Bay, having to go right back out to the West Coast. We talked about this stretch earlier in the season. Um, And and then they go to Detroit uh, next week. And I've told you all season, that's not going to be easy. A, because they play for uh, Dan Campbell in Detroit. They play hard. And they've been in some tight games. They tied Pittsburgh on the road um, and almost beat the Vikings, uh, save Greg Joseph 54-yard field goal. So that won't be easy either. San Francisco would be tough. Uh, I mean, and this has huge playoff implications. You win this game, you win this game, and you could, uh, uh, and and you could, legitimately, um, almost take San Francisco out of the running because then you have the tiebreaker out of the running at least for passing you, uh, because you would have the tiebreaker over them. So it's a huge game. I think the Vikings will confuse Jimmy G. I do, but I need to see like, where's their injury situation? Because when we played them in the playoffs, both lines dominated us. I mean, their defensive line, basically ensured we had no running game all day and Kirk had no time. And their offensive line was able to do an excellent job at, uh, at run blocking and San Francisco just killed us in the time of possession. So it wasn't a high scoring game. Um, But I think Zimmer will confuse Jimmy G a little bit um and and the vikings offense has found something here these last these last few weeks
1: yeah i um i'll end by saying i you know I, i think they're gonna stick with their aggression on offense um and they're gonna continue to get the ball to their playmakers and out quickly i i trust that zimmer's gonna find a way to keep improving the defense and i know it's tough to go on the road and it's a big game as you said for playoff implications but I think they can do it. They, they've got to, you know, that offensive line has to continue to play better and they got to get pressure, like you said, on Jimmy G and make them turn the ball over. But I think they can do it. I think they will do it. We've seen this show before where the Vikings give us hope and then they come out flat. But I, uh, I think they will pull it off and be in a driver's seat for a playoff position. Hey,
0: I do uh, remember. Last thing I know, I know uh, Matt, Matt has to go here uh, as, as we're recording this. But last thing, Jimmy G. I remember in that playoff game, there were some people saying on the Vikings uh, radio network broadcast that he, he really can't throw it that well outside the numbers. And then played itself out. He threw an interception outside the numbers, I believe, to Eric Kendricks in that game. Uh, that's going to be something to watch. I wonder, I haven't watched much Jimmy G since that playoff game, honestly. Um, and and it seemed, it's, it's pretty interesting. Trey Lance hasn't really taken over yet, despite uh, that, you know, very high pick, the number two pick in the draft, and a huge trade up, but also he's, he's extremely raw and, and didn't play much um, college football because of COVID at North Dakota State. So will they use Lance in some packages? Uh, it would be interesting to see, too
1: yep it'll be it'll be a a great matchup really important and hopefully uh the vikings can pull off the win all right that's it
0: for this week we will try to get a guest for you next week and hopefully talk about a third vikings win in a row vikings beat the packers niners up next for matt gallivan i'm marshall Kellner. talk to you guys later bye-bye